Thank you so much. And church, thank you. Thank you for being a church that encourages students to explore and to use their gifts and their abilities. I was part of a church, and I was a teenager. I felt God was calling me to ministry. I was part of a church that had the audacity to say, you should start exploring that calling and using your gifts now. And I said, I don't know how. And they said, we'll help you, and we'll give you the chance to do that. Well, as you've already heard, our biblical text this morning is from Matthew chapter 14, and it's that well-known story. If you spend much time around churches at all, it's the story about Jesus walking on water, the disciples once again being in a boat, out, caught in a storm, and wondering where they're going and how they're going to make it through. And our question today is, well, how, how do we read that? I remember reading it as a child and loving it. How do I read it as an adult? How do I understand it and how do I explore it? How do I find the depths of that story? Let's begin this way. Around 1930, in a little community called Dura Europas, a church site was uncovered. It was an ancient house church, so it was around 1930, over a series of years, they started working at this location, and this house church dates back to about 240 A.D., 240 A.D., and it contained our earliest um, art depictions of Jesus. 240 AD. One room in that church became what now we call this our baptistry, but became the baptistery. It was a room that was set aside and used for baptism. So along one wall, there was a recess and it was, it looked very much like a modern bathtub that was recessed into that wall. And yes, Baptists, they, they were immersing then. You can be thankful. And, uh, and, but the walls all around depicted artwork scenes and images from scripture so on one wall was an image of the good shepherd with sheep on the hillside and in the lower left hand corner of that same wall was Adam and Eve and the serpent and on the wall opposite from this basin this uh, font that was used for baptism opposite that there were two doors and in between those two doors was artwork of a woman at the well up high and even David and Goliath down low but it's the wall that's to the right that's important for our discussion today on the wall at a right angle from the baptistry were three women at the tomb and the healing of the paralytic and then a depiction of Christ and the disciples in a boat and Jesus on the water with Peter. Now, I'm going to focus. We'll, we'll draw it up a little closer in just a moment. But you can see the fragment is broken and half of the boat is missing. And when you zoom in the bottom half, so you can see there's there. So you see the boat at the top with the disciples there and, and the storm is beating against the boat and it's broken off. But just to the bottom right of that image is a very faint drawing and to the right is Christ standing with his feet above the water and uh, we don't have a drawing of his head there. It's broken off and to the left, that's Peter. His ankles are already sinking down into the water or, or maybe it's a little further in the story and, and Jesus is lifting him up out of the water but there, 
to my eyes, it looks like he's even smiling a little bit. Jesus has come to his rescue. 240 AD, a depiction of this scene that thrilled me as a child, and now I have all of these questions. Now, part of the importance for our discussion this morning is this. We know at least part of early Christianity read this story in the context of what they did in that room. And that is, they took people and immersed them in water and brought them up. And so I invite you for just a moment, for those of you who have been baptized, to remember your baptism. So think with me through, where were you baptized? Just think about, where were you baptized? Who was there that was important to you on that day? It may have been your parents. It may have been a Sunday school teacher, a Bible study teacher that was important to you. It, it may have been another adult that kind of modeled faith for you and invested time and energy into your life. It may have been the pastor who baptized you and you still remember. Do you remember how the water felt? We have a great baptistry. Many of you have wondered. It's, it's like a warm bathtub up there. You real, it's very, very nice. Thank you very much for giving us a baptistry like that. Some of you were baptized in a cold stream. Do you remember how you felt that day? Do you remember the gratitude that you felt for new life in Christ, but do you also remember promises that you made that day of faithfulness to Christ, of learning more about what it means to be a disciple, of learning about your own gifts and abilities and the direction God was going to take you in your life? And so one of the options we have this morning as we read this story is to remember it does take place in the water context. And the early Christians, at least some of them, saw that connection when they were baptizing people. And the word that's used when Peter starts to sink is actually a word that's used in other places in the New Testament of people drowning. He is in trouble and he knows he is in trouble and he calls out and he says, Lord, save me, deliver me, which is what we are remembering on that day, on that baptism day, which is what we are celebrating, Christ saving us, delivering us. And it isn't just that moment. It's about a new life and a new purpose. It's about having a connection with the one who made us. And it's about having now a new purpose in life. I'm not just living for myself. I'm not just living for temporary gratitude but now I'm part of a much bigger picture and a much larger community and discovering what it means to be made in God's image. So yes, that's one of the options that we have as we are remembering this morning, walking on the water for you to go back to your baptism. It's not about anyone else for this moment. It's about your baptism and your commitment. And how are you doing in that walk of faith? How are you doing as a disciple of Jesus? And, and this is not intended to put, uh, it's not intended to condemn you or discourage you. The intention is to say, let's refocus. Let's remember. There's a lot going on in our lives. There are a lot of things happening and a lot of distractions, and it's tough these days. We're here to celebrate. We're here to worship. We're here to rest. 
We're here to be re-energized. We're here to love. We're, we're here to be loved. For just a moment, just be in the water, cleansed, washed, renewed. It's one option. Very often when we get to that passage of Scripture, the focus shifts to Peter and Peter's faith or lack of faith. I have to admit I am so intrigued by this story and the response. It isn't the first time we have seen the disciples in a boat. It isn't the first time they have been caught out with a storm. It isn't the first time they have wondered if they are going to make it. It isn't the first time Jesus delivers them, and it certainly isn't the last time Jesus is going to come to their rescue. But what is so intriguing about this story to me is Peter's response. And so we have this incredible description of the waves beating against the boat. Against the boat, by the way, it's very particular language that's there. It's the boat that's struggling. It's not the disciples. And well, you can think about that for a little bit. And when they see Jesus, they aren't sure who it is. Someone cries out, it's a ghost. The Greek word is phantasma, from which we get all of that phantasm language. And we, we don't know who it is. They're not sure. They cry out. And it's Peter's response that just, I'm not quite sure why he goes there. Lord, if it's you, this would have been my response. Lord, if it's you, what was the first thing you said to me? Yeah. Lord, if it's you, what was the last meal we had together? That's a good Baptist response. Yeah, what, what? Lord, if it's you, you know, that's the kind of stuff you say. What, what was the password? What's the secret knock? What's the secret handshake? Instead, Peter says, if it's you, command me to walk on the wall. If it's you, ask me to do something dangerous. If it's you, put my life at risk. If it's you, ask me to do, no, command me to do something I cannot accomplish on my own. That's not my response. I'm assuming it's not your response either. We've all had those moments when we were trying to figure out, is this God or is this me? Is this God or is this just circumstances in life coming together? Is this really the direction God wants me to go or is this just something I hope happens and I'm doing my best to make it go the way I want it to go? Is this really God's voice? How many times have you, in those moments when you're trying to discover, is this God's voice, have you said, ask me to do something dangerous? Ask me to put my life at risk. Put me, take me out of my comfort zone. Put me somewhere where the only way I can make it and the only way I can survive is if there's no, no way I can do it on my own with my own ingenuity, my own brains, my own abilities. Put me in that place, that spot. That's Peter's response. And so on the one hand, there's a huge group of people when we read this story, we want to talk about the incredible faith that Peter has until he gets out of the boat and he realizes what he's done and where he is. And he hears the wind 
I'm assuming he feels the waves. And in that moment, he takes his eyes off of Jesus and he begins to sink, to drown. His life really is at risk. What a question for Jesus. Lord, if it's you, ask me to do something dangerous. And Jesus says, come, do it. Come, get out of the boat. Historically, the church has interpreted the boat as the church. It even became a symbol, the World Council of Churches, the boat with the sail. It's, we're safe together, even through the storm. I don't think the church was just meant to paddle around in smooth waters. I don't think the church is the place where we go and we don't get out of the boat when it gets rough. I, I, I don't think the church, I, I don't think the image is there. If that's the church, at least one of them, I, get out of the boat. That's not where Jesus is. Jesus is not in the boat. He's out in the storm. Jesus is not in the boat. He's out there walking across the sea. And at least Peter, yes, he fails. Yes, he takes his eyes off of Jesus. And he's the only one with the courage to get out of the boat. He's the only one who says, I can't stay here. He's the only one who says, I've, I've got to go to Jesus. He's, if that's Jesus, this is not where I'm supposed to be. I'm supposed to be out there. Let's look at one more. If you notice both of these, whether we're talking about your baptism, my baptism, yeah. or we're talking about Peter's faith and exploring it, does he really believe or not? Is it? I think there's another option. Because if we just stay with these two, which are perfectly fine, if we just stay with exploring this text from those two perspectives, and they're actually good perspectives, and there are good questions that come out of them, questions we should be asking about getting out of the boat. When you came in this morning, did you look around to see who else is here? When you came in this morning, did you look around to see, is there someone, oh yeah, They've been in the hospital. Oh, yeah, that person's been sick. Oh, there's someone I don't know. Let me go in. We've got to get out of the boat. We've got to get out of the boat. We, gotta, we have to be involved with more than just our own life, even our own pain and struggles. But there's more. And I think one of the clues for us is how this story is told, not just in Matthew's gospel, but also in Mark's gospel. And so I introduce to you this well-known church word. It's the story isn't about the disciples. The story isn't about the boat. The story's about Jesus. And yes, there's a miracle that takes place. For just a moment, Jesus, uh, Peter walks on the water, and in just a few moments, the waves are going to be stilled and the storm is going to be silenced. But more than a miracle story, it's also what we call an epiphany story. So an epiphany is when the light comes on. I could also put up there, this is a light bulb story. This, th it's that moment 
when you know something sacred is taking place and it's bigger than you are. It's Moses walking and wondering and asking questions and he sees something that catches his attention and he turns aside off the path and he sees a bush that's burning but it isn't consumed and he goes to check it out. The part of him is curious, a part of him that's searching and he approaches it and he hears the voice that tells him, you really ought to take off your sandals. This is holy ground. And he has this encounter with the living God and his life is changed. And God is going to take him into some very deep waters. And God calls him to go somewhere and to do something that he cannot do on his own. He cannot do with his own strength or his own ingenuity or his own ability. He can only do that with God's help and God's power and God's ability. As you read the story in Mark's gospel, and you can do that, it's in Mark chapter 6, you can do that later today. If you're bored right now, you can do that now. It's in Mark chapter 6, and Mark adds one little phrase. Now, Mark is our first gospel that's written. Matthew and Luke come after that, and they are often, they do their best to help Mark out. There are sometimes Mark says something, and it's just so bold and so brash Mark, uh, Matthew and Luke feel like they need to take the edge off just a little bit. So Mark will say when Jesus goes to his hometown, Jesus could do no miracle there because of their unbelief, their lack of faith. And Luke will come back, uh, Matthew will come back and say, Jesus would do no miracle there. Doesn't that sound much nicer? So all along the way, Mark throws in this one phrase. Same story. They're on the boat, they're they're searching, they're calling out. The storm is there, Jesus is walking, and he throws in one little phrase. Jesus intended to pass them by. Matthew and Luke decide, let's just leave that phrase out. It's a bit problematic. Really? That's the story in Mark. Jesus sees them in the boat. They are struggling against the waves. They're not sure if they're going to make it. They aren't sure if they're going to make it back to shore. They aren't sure if they're going to live. And Mark adds in, and he intended to pass them by. And even translators taking that from the Greek text into English translations struggle with how to put that. Here's how some of the translations put it. Of course, there's the he intended to pass them by. He would have passed them by. He was about to pass them by. This is my favorite. He meant to go right up beside them. And it just clearly says he intended to pass them by. Because it's their chance to see who Jesus really is. This is their burning bush opportunity. This is Job with the whirlwind and finally understanding who God is. And in that moment, in the storm, Jesus knows they're fine. They're going to be all right. But if they'll just hang in there, I'm going to pass by and they're going to really see who I am.
They're going to really know who I am. They're going to have this epiphany moment where it's going to finally all come together and the light bulb's going to go on and they're going to understand who I am and what God is doing and what this whole event is going to be like. It's going to find all the, the dots are going to connect. And they can't. Not in their fear. Not with the ways beating. Not the struggle. Peter's almost there. Almost there. And he takes his eyes off of Jesus. When was God revealed to you? And you've forgotten. How many miracles had they seen Jesus perform? And forgotten. How many lives changed in the storm they forgot? How many promises have you made and forgotten in the storm? How often have you felt God's presence, but in the storm, in the struggle, in the pain? You just couldn't see it. Uh, my first full-time teaching position uh, just Wonderful opportunity. I was at Palm Beach Atlantic University. Uh, the school is situated right on the intercoastal. Our very first year, we lived in an apartment building that the school owned, and it was right on the intercoastal. And it was the fourth floor was reserved for new faculty, and the bottom three floor was a girl's dorm. So we had three floors of babysitters anytime we needed. Right there, it was wonderful. And and, and one of my teaching colleagues who just moved there the same year I did, he came from teaching at a school in Black Mountain, North Carolina, and he hated living in Black Mountain, North Carolina. Hated it, griped about it, complained, Black Mountain, North Carolina. I said, what, what didn't you like? He said, you can't see anything for the mountains. <laughs> he couldn't see it. He couldn't, he couldn't see the beauty. He couldn't see the grace. He couldn't see it. He hey, couldn't see it. And there's Jesus. And, and they just can't see it. So hear the words of the story once again. Do not be afraid. Is that what you need to hear this morning? Are those the words from Christ that you need to hear as you find yourself in the storm, as you think about your baptism, as you struggle with the idea of can you, should you, are you able to get out of the boat? Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Hear the words of our Lord as he says to you. Come. Give it a try. It's okay if you sink a bit. You can always say, Lord, save me. It, it's okay if you step out of the boat and you feel the waves and the wind. And for just a moment, you take your eyes off Jesus and you're not sure what's going to happen. It's okay. God's bigger than this moment. And God is bigger than this storm. So what is Jesus saying to you? Let's pray. Ah, oh, Lord, we take a deep breath in the boat 
in the safety, in the security. We don't feel the winds right here. We feel people who love us and encourage us. But we're going to get out of this boat. We're going to walk out into your creation. We're going back into schools and back into workplaces, back into our community. We're going out there where people are hurting and wondering and have questions and and people are angry and people are afraid and people have forgotten you and they need love they need someone who will listen they need someone who can see beyond the storm so we offer ourselves to you we are yours We're just afraid. Amen. So we give you an opportunity, and for those who may be visiting today, we we think this is also a part of worship when we say, uh, how should we respond? So we usually sing a hymn, sing a song at this point, and we give you an opportunity to reflect on that still, small voice inside. And what is that voice saying to you? If you've never invited Christ into your life, if you've never experienced that kind of just open-armed welcomeness and grace and forgiveness and the love of the one who created you, we give you that opportunity today. Would you let us pray with you and share with you how to begin that walk with Christ where you are today? And for those of you who have made that decision, maybe it's time to get out of the boat. We're just going to jump in different directions and see where God is taking us. Where's the need? Where's the opportunity? Who's God bringing you into your life this week? Where's God leading you? And yeah, it's scary out there. But no, we are not alone. In Christ alone, our hope is found. Will you please stand?